Welcome to the podcast of Life Church in Houston, Texas. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope that this message inspires your week, builds your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Today we're going to continue this topic about mind monsters. What are mind monsters? Mind monsters are negative thought invaders. They want to take over our mind. Things like anxiety, worry, fearful imaginations, anger, despair, insecurity, shame. Anybody deal with anything like that at one time or another? If you didn't raise your hand, uh-oh. Come on, you're not human, you're a robot. I, I know that there have been many times throughout every day that one of these things comes into my mind. It's part of being human. It's part of being human that, that sometimes we have these things come up in our life that cause us anxiety, that cause us worry, that cause us fear. And, and it's part of being human. But when we find ourselves in a lifestyle and when we find ourselves consumed with these things to the point where they are controlling our lives, where they're controlling the decisions that we make, that's when we know something's not right. Last week, we talked about a couple of pastors who have have preached from this and taught from this um, topic before. They've written books about it. One of them is Kevin Gerald, who said, you cannot live a positive life with a negative mind. Pastor Kevin Gerald wrote a book called Mind Monsters. I encourage you to check that out. That's a great resource for you to have if this is a topic that, that you're working through. Pastor Craig Groeschel, he said this, your life will move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Pastor Craig wrote a book that's going to be a great resource for you as well. It's called Winning the War in Your Mind. I bought it. I'm currently working through it. It's an amazing resource. And this is also what we talked about last week, that we're not going to be able to live the life that God has created us to live until we learn how to silence the mind monsters. You hear our lead pastor say this all the time. The best life you could ever live is not the life that you dream up yourself. The best life you could ever live is not the one that you plan for and save for and go to college for and all those things are great. The best life that you could ever live is when you're walking in line with what God has created you to do. The best life you could ever live is the life that God has for you. And these mind monsters that we're talking about, these things like anxiety and worry and shame and insecurity, it's not just negative thoughts. These are not just negative thoughts that we have due to uh, the human experience and due to our lives. Of course, there are some natural things that happen in our brains, and we're going to get into that today. But this is what I want to do to start today's message. I want to, I want to make sure we are viewing mind monsters in the proper context. All right, Houston, I want to make sure that when we are talking about mind monsters. And when we're going through this message, we're not just going to be talking about the power of positive thinking transforming our minds. We need to understand in context what these mind monsters are and what's going on on a deeper spiritual level. So I want to go to the book of Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. This is what the apostle Paul tells us, that we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. What he's saying is you're encountering things in life where you might not be aware of it, but you're in a fight for your life. That it doesn't look like the way the world fights. I mean, you can tell when the world gets in a fight. You can tell, right? just like what's going on in Eastern Europe right now. Well, we're involved in a fight. We're involved in a battle. We're involved in a war. And it's not one that looks like what happens in the world. It's a spiritual battle. And this battle that's happening, it's happening in our minds. This spiritual battle that we are wrestling with, it's the battle with sinful nature. Last week we said that our mind is the place where our physical bodies that have a sinful nature encounter the Holy Spirit. The mind is the battlefield between your sinful nature and the Holy Spirit. And listen, there's nothing that can stand against the Holy Spirit except 
your decision to choose not to trust God. When you make the decision to trust your sinful nature, the sinful nature that tells you you're worthless, your sinful nature that tells you there's no hope, your sinful nature that tells you you got to worry about this and you got to be afraid of this and you need to have anxiety over this and you need to be consumed with thoughts, negative thoughts about this situation. That's the sinful nature. And if we choose to trust that, what we're doing is saying, God, I don't trust that you are good. I don't trust that you have my best interests in mind. It's happening in our minds. This sinful nature wants to control what we do. It wants to control how we feel about ourselves and others. It wants to control how we view our situation. And it wants to control how we envision our future. It's sinful nature that brings anxiety, worry, fear, anger, despair, insecurity, and shame. I think it's amazing when you look in Scripture, when you look in Genesis, when you look at the life of Adam and Eve and and humanity before sin, there was no anxiety, there was no worry before this sinful nature came in. But as soon as mankind made the decision, I can do this my own way, I don't need God. I can figure out what's best for me, I don't need God. I would rather have knowledge so that I could be like God. As soon as mankind made that decision, what's the first thing that happened? They had shame. They had shame because they realized they were naked. Then they had anxiety and fear because they thought, oh no, now I'm in trouble with God, who was walking with them every day, who was showing him his creation, who was giving them dominion over his creation. And all of a sudden, what comes into the world when sinful nature comes? There's shame, there's anxiety, there's fear. And then when God finds them, he says, what happened? And then there's anger from Adam. Well, it was the woman that you gave me. You see what happens as soon as sinful nature comes in, as soon as sinful nature came into humanity, Shame, anxiety, worry, fear, anger. So what do we do? How are we supposed to respond? What are we supposed to do going forward, knowing that this is now something that we're going to have to wrestle with? And We talked about last week, a lot of times our solution has been to just cry out in despair. And listen, cry out in despair to God for sure. But there's some things that we have to also do and realize that when we're feeling these feelings, when we're, when we're having anxiety, when we're thinking these negative thoughts, there are some natural things that are happening in our brains. There are some things that God intended for our good to keep us from harm that sinful nature has influenced in a way that now is con- makes you be consumed with anxiety and fear. So as we get into this uh, message today, the first thing I'd like for us to do is just kind of get a basic, natural, uh, scientific understanding of what happens in our brains when we do experience anxiety and worry and fear and anger. What is it that's happening physically in our brains that's causing us to act uh, this way? And I'm a pastor and I'm not a doctor, but we have an amazing woman in our church. Uh, Her name is Dr. Erica Green. Anybody here at Friends would know Erica? She goes, hey, yeah, that's right. She goes to our Houston campus. She's incredible. She is a neurologist at one of the greatest hospitals in the country. And I had the opportunity to go sit down with her and ask her a few questions about how the brain works. Sometimes these responses that we have in a moment, sometimes these things that happen unconsciously. What is it about our brains that cause us to react in a way that sometimes leads to these things we're referring to as mind monsters? So why don't we take a moment and you check out this video from Dr. Erica Green. What we know is that when we're exposed to traumatic events or things that cause extreme fear, God has created the brain in a way where we immediately protect ourselves without consciously deciding to protect ourselves. And it's called the fright-flight response. Many people have heard that. The area of the brain that regulates that is called the amygdala. And the amygdala is a little um, plum seed size area of the brain, even smaller than that, 
that's located right here. And it's also part of the part of our brain that holds our memories, where memories are formed and they're cemented. Unless if, you know, normally there's a part of the brain in the front, and this is the part of the brain, our frontal lobe here, which really is where our reason and our logic and our judgment lies, where we can take all of this stimuli and we can decide, I'm gonna do this. No, I'm not gonna do this. That's the part of the brain that tells us to hold our tongue when we should stop talking or not say that. It's also the part of the brain that determines if what causes you to be afraid or to feel fear and anxiety is worth reacting to. For many of us who struggle with severe anxiety or fear, um, thoughts that plague us, it's often because the part of our brain that would normally tease that out is hijacked. All of those chemicals that are swimming around make this part of the brain unable to do that job. And the only way to recondition this part of the brain to do the job is we have to identify when those feelings and those thoughts are not based in truth. We have to sort of stop and ask ourselves, um, why am I feeling this way? Why am I reacting this way? Because often we go through life blind to why we feel a certain way and why we're having a panic attack or why we're feeling anxious. We don't know, but the first step is to ask yourself, why? I think for someone who's learning to identify or recognize why they're feeling that way, the next step is to then take those thoughts and to decide that this isn't me, to reject them in a way, and then to you have to fill in the narrative. So you have to identify the knowledge and the truth and you have to continually grab a hold of it and you have to compare it to the reason why you're afraid and you have to hang on to it. And it, it requires a lot of work, but first you have to identify it, then you have to uh, identify that it's not based in truth, and then you have to determine the truth. So it, require, it requires us to be intentional about those steps. Recognize, reject it as true, and then determine what is true and hang on to it. And often it requires us to do it over and over again. Because when we do it over and over again, we can actually change that circuitry. We can actually um, create new synapses or connections in the brain, and we can weaken those existing connections that promote fear and anxiety. And so the thing about transforming our mind and on a neurological level, changing our brain circuitry is you have to force your brain to do it differently. You have to do um, the opposite of what your brain has been wired to do, to force the rewiring. And in the spiritual realm, in terms of what God wants, you have to allow Him to transform your mind by doing it His way, which is opposite than your way. So whether it's letting your mind go dark with worry and fear, and those fears grow and grow and grow, letting your attitude become sour, becoming ungrateful and complaining and full of pride or fear, you give that all to God and you pray about it and you thank Him. And in a miraculous supernatural way, He changes the atmosphere. I could, uh, that conversation that I was able to have with Dr. Erica Green lasted probably an hour <laughs> and our team had to edit all, felt really bad. Our team had to edit all that down, but it was so good. And I'm looking forward to uh, continuing um, the conversation with her. She's helping us out uh, in next week's message as well with some more, um, some more knowledge, some more information about how our brains work. But I love what she said. Uh, she kind of recapped what we talked about last week. We gave you part one. We gave you step one last week. If you remember, we talked about the first thing that we have to do when we're experiencing mind monsters is we have to recognize. We have to recognize that pattern. And I'm not going to re-preach the whole point. I'm going to re-preach it a little bit, but just for like, give me two minutes on it, okay? We have to recognize the thoughts, 
feelings and behaviors that are holding you back. Sometimes you just need to take a step back and ask yourself, why am I feeling this way? Why am I thinking this way? Why am I behaving this way? And identify what is the root cause if you can. Sometimes you might need help identifying it. And there's no shame. Shame off of you if you have felt that anxiety or fear about going to seek professional help from counseling or a therapist or whatever. Sometimes you need help identifying what it is that's got you feeling and living in this constant Uh, This lifestyle full of fear, anxiety, whatever it is. We have to recognize these things. This is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. We read this last week. It was kind of the theme of last week. I'll touch on it again. He says, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Sounds a lot like what he said to the church in Ephesus that we just read earlier. He says, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world, On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Hey, you're in a fight for your life, but it's not a fight like the world is fighting. It's a spiritual battle in your mind with your sinful nature. And you have weapons that have divine power that can tear down the strongholds that make you feel like you're not good enough. That make you feel like you're worthless. That make you feel like you're beyond saving. That make you feel like God doesn't love you. That, that cause you to be angry with everyone all the time. That cause you to feel shame and insecurity and anxiety. Paul's saying, hey, those strongholds that have been built up in your mind, guess what? You have weapons that have divine power to tear those strongholds down. Verse 5, he says, we demolish arguments. Don't, don't you know? That's all it is. These mind monsters, these lies that, that we're believing. It's just an argument. From the enemy. It's an argument trying to dissuade you from trusting in God. It's an argument that's trying to dissuade you from believing what God's word says about you. And about your future. And about how God's never going to leave you nor forsake you. And that he loves you so much. He sent his son to die for you. So that he could have a relationship with you. It's mind monsters that want to say, no that's not true. Let me tell you why that's not true. Let me tell you why you would never be worthy of that. But Paul says in verse 5, we demolish those arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Anything that we know that is contrary to what God says and what the word of God says, if it's not true, we take it captive. Look at that last part of that verse. He says, we take captive every thought. And make it obedient to Christ. Turn to your neighbor say, take it captive. Take it captive. Let's talk about what this means. I talked about this just a little bit last week. I think it's worth getting into again just a little bit more. Paul said we have to take every thought captive. Okay. Have you ever had to take somebody captive? I'm sure the officer in the back has. Pollard, you probably have. My time in the military, I had to take some people captive sometimes. You want to know what the thing is about taking someone captive that doesn't want to be taken captive? It's hard work. It's a fight. When you have to take something captive, it means it's going to be difficult. Your thoughts are not just going to surrender right away. You know that, right? The mind monsters, the anxiety, the worry, the fear, when you identify it, it's not like, oh, you got me. You got me. I I know I'm not supposed to be here. I'll just see my way out. Don't worry. I won't come back. No, that thing wants to stay and you have to take it captive. That means you got to fight it. That means it's going to be a struggle. That means it's going to take work. Listen to this. Pollard was a military vet. The officer would tell you the same thing. It takes training to get good at taking someone or something captive. Sometimes it's going to take some training. Sometimes it's going to take some learning. There's a learning curve here. You're going to have to fail a few times. But the more and more you recognize, man, I keep having these same thoughts. Man, I keep having these thoughts which lead me doing this, which I always feel shame about doing. 
man, I have these, I have these thoughts of insecurity. So what it does, it, it causes me to seek affirmation in unhealthy relationships. And then I get caught up in a lifestyle that I, I really wish I hadn't got caught up in. So now I have shame about this lifestyle. And what it's going to take for you is to recognize that pattern and say, enough is enough. I'm going to take these thoughts captive. And it's a fight. So once you have recognized it, that was step one. And Dr. Erica Green talked about it as well. After that, what do we do? After we have it captive, Paul said we take it to Christ. After we have made this thought our prisoner, we reject it. Everybody say reject. reject. Houston, say reject. Oh, some of y'all said reject. Y'all are friends with. That's all right. Type in the chat online. Reject. Reject. Once we have identified, hey, you know what? There's some things going on in my mind. There's some things going on in my life. There are some behaviors that I'm getting involved with that I know are not healthy. That I know are not honoring to God. There are some things that I'm allowing to take control of my mind, they're just making my life worse and worse. And once we've recognized it, once we've taken it captive and it's our prisoner, we kick it out, reject it. This is what Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I, this scripture, I'm telling you, this scripture right here, I had like a light bulb moment. Y'all know my, my story, my testimony. Maybe you're new or you're watching online for the first time. Just Go back and find a message. I'm sure I've, I've shared it before. But listen, I had uh, um, about seven years ago, I guess now, I had come out of a really unhealthy situation. Uh, I was in broken relationships. I was caught up in substance abuse, substance addictions. I was living a terrible, destructive lifestyle. It left me feeling shameful, insecure, full of anxiety, full of despair, Look at the list of what the mind monsters are. I was living that every day. It wasn't a momentary thing. It was a daily thing. And I was trying to numb my pain with relationships and with substances. And I was trying to find anything that I could to make me feel better. And I had this encounter with God where God showed up when I was at my lowest point and he, he propelled me on this journey. I've talked about how after I had this incredible encounter with God, that literally changed my life, I still had problems. I still had mind monsters. I still had addictions. I still had habits that I, I wasn't able just to shake overnight. There are a lot of people who have the, many people in our church, many people have the testimony of, oh, when I came to God and I got the Holy Ghost, in a moment, my addictions were broken. I never wanted another this, that. I never, I was able to walk out of that lifestyle. That is amazing. And I praise God for that. That was not my story. And I'm guessing for about 99% of you, that wasn't your story either. But you know what the encounter with God gave me was the fire. It's the Holy Spirit giving me the desire to say, okay, I can do this. God saying, hey, I'm going with you. I'm going to give you the wisdom and the conviction and the direction that you need to change these things. So I started getting back in church, started going to small groups, started doing Bible studies, coming to church, sitting on the front row. And I still found myself every now and then making mistakes. And I'd have this big mistake that I'd feel shame about. And I can't, I'm like, man, I can't believe that after all that God has done for me, now here I am and I'm still making these stupid decisions. And then one day I read this scripture, Romans 12, 2, which says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world but let God transform you. Y'all listen to this. Houston, listen to this. Don't be like the world. Because the world has behaviors. The world has customs for how they deal with anxiety and stress and worry and fear and anger and despair and shame. See, Paul knows you, you could get caught up in a lifestyle the world's way, trying to fix these problems, and all it's going to do is perpetuate your problem. He says, don't get caught up in that, but instead let God transform you into a new person. Oh, this sounds amazing. How does this happen? By changing the way you think. Now, I'm going to give you just a little relief here. I believe what Scripture is saying is that it's not entirely up to you to change your thinking. I believe what Scripture is saying is let God transform you by changing the way you think. 
You see, when you're full of the Holy Spirit, you know the Holy Spirit's going to talk to you. The Holy Spirit's not going to possess you. The Holy Spirit is not going to control you. The Holy Spirit is going to talk to you. When you are full of the Spirit, there are going to be things that come up in your mind, mind monsters, that you can then choose to listen to that voice of the mind monster or listen, Holy Spirit, how can I get out of this situation? Holy Spirit, how can I, how can, how, how does, what does God say about this situation? It's in those moments where God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, transforms our thinking. You see, it's not about just positive thinking, doing it our way. It's about doing it God's way. It's to truly live this transformed life and allowing God to change us into a new person is to start thinking the way that God wants us to think. And how that happens is the Holy Spirit inside of you ministering to you through the difficult moments of your life. And if you haven't yet been filled with the Holy Spirit, if you haven't yet developed the ability to hear clearly the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life, if you haven't really practiced through prayer and through fasting and through some spiritual disciplines, through reading God's Word and, and, and seeing and hearing what He ha has to say already, if you haven't developed those spiritual disciplines that allow you to clearly identify the voice of the Holy Spirit, all you're going to hear are mind monsters. That's what I learned when I saw this verse. I'm like, oh, of course. I had that amazing encounter with God, got filled up with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. Oh, I'm all good now. No, no, because it's a daily, continuous journey with God where every day when a mind monster comes in and says, Bo, you're not good enough. Bo, you're still worthless. The worst is still going to happen, Bo. Your future, whatever the worst thing is that you can imagine about your future, that's what's going to happen. Like it was me realizing, I, I gotta, if I want my life to truly be transformed, then I got to do something about this stinking thinking that keeps going through my head. Anybody else been there or is there right now? Paul says, if you constantly find yourself suffering with anxiety, suffering with these mind monsters, then God's going to transform you. You have to allow him to transform you by first changing the way you think. You see, your brain, this is what Dr. Erica said, your brain is primed. Your brain has been primed. The amygdala sending these chemicals up to your prefrontal cortex, it has primed and conditioned you to think and feel certain ways, even when it doesn't make sense. That's what's happening on a natural level. Something that happened to you once before that caused you pain, now anything. That amygdala, what she said, this is her, this is not me. That part of our brain, the amygdala, is also the part of our brain that holds our memories. So now every time you see something, smell something, anything that happens that reminds you of the thing, the situation that caused you pain, immediately, unconsciously, you're going to have fear and anxiety. And that can also be linked to emotional pain. That's the part that the amygdala cannot differentiate is what is physical danger and what is emotional danger? It sends those chemicals in a response immediately. So how do we change that? Like she said, it takes intentionality. Are y'all hearing me this morning? This is really good. This is something you need to be taking some notes on. Houston, I hope you're taking some notes. Because this is the part of Scripture, and this is the part of our journey with God that we have to realize is there are some things that are happening because of our sinful nature that we have to choose to not allow to happen anymore. Maybe you, you had no idea that's how the brain operated. Maybe this is the first time you've ever learned that about yourself. Maybe you've been caught up feeling certain feelings and wondering, why do I always feel this way? There's some, some things are happening in your brain that you can choose to change. That's what the doctor said. You don't just have to eat an apple a day, okay? You can choose to physically change your brain by having some grit, by having some determination, and by being filled with the Holy Spirit, you can choose. I'm not thinking that way anymore. 
And it's going gonna, it's gonna to take you doing that over and over and over saying, you know what, I'm taking this thought. I took it captive yesterday. Somehow it got loose during the night. Well, I'm taking it captive again today. And I'm not going to think that way. Can I tell you, just since this series started, there have been two, two times, two situations that have come up in my life. And I really feel like that God allowed them to happen within this last week to me so that I could really understand the stuff I'm preaching to you. Just in the last seven days, I had a situation where it caused me so much anxiety. I mean, tightness in my chest. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Like sick to my stomach, like worrying, like anxious, you know? And I got home and I sat down on the couch and I'm still, I'm like, I'm feeling like tight in my chest, you know, like worried. And I'm talking with my wife. I'm like, you know what? I, I'm feeling so much anxiety right now. I don't even, like, I don't even know why. And I started talking through it with my wife out loud. I started saying, what is it that's caused me anxiety? I went through my whole day. I said, well, this happened and this happened and this happened. And this is about the, about the time I started feeling anxiety. And then I started talking about all the good things that happened that day. I said, but it doesn't make sense for me to feel this way because this happened and this happened and God did this and this was an amazing thing. And I started talking about all these good things. And you know what happened? Literally, I'm, look, I'm, I prom, I'm telling the God's honest truth here that in two minutes, my anxiety was gone. And I believe that was the Holy Spirit leading me through that thought process of like, hey, Bo, hold on, really think about this right now. Why are you feeling this way? How about all these things that God did for you today? Why don't you talk about that? Why don't you think about that? And you know what was happening on a physical level? Those pathways that had been created in my brain that made it so easy for one little thing that I don't even realize unconsciously causing and triggering anxiety in me, what it forced my brain to do was start operating in a different way and sending neurons down different neural pathways until my anxiety went away, until the amygdala in my brain was like, oh, okay, it's all good. You saw what I, what I did was I forced the logical part of my brain to choose that which is spiritual. I'm going to say it one more time. I forced the logical part of my brain by taking thoughts captive, by rejecting the lies. I forced the logical part of my brain to choose that which is spiritual. And a lot of times when you're caught up in those feelings of anxiety, you need to do what I just described. Take a step back. Why am I feeling this way? Talk about it. Talk through it. Find somebody you can trust. If you're married, go to your spouse and nobody else. There's some good advice. <laughs> oh, I just feel to kind of lean into that real quick. Uh, when you're feeling those feelings of insecurity and shame, go to your spouse and not your DMs. Go to your spouse and talk it out. Because a lot of times there have been hurts and pain that have happened in your relationship that you're being triggered by one another to feel anger and frustration, all these things, when really the solution should just be you two coming together, seeking God, talking through it, and forcing your logical brain to choose that which is spiritual and God-honoring. We renew our minds by rejecting the lies. Romans 12.2 says, don't be conformed to the world. Renew your mind. How do we do that? You renew your mind by rejecting the lies. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, he says, do not be anxious about anything. Oh, great advice. So easy. Thanks, Paul. I'm cured. No, really. Let's look at what he says. Do not be anxious about anything. I really feel like he's saying right here, like, here's how. Because obviously this is such a tough statement to make. Don't be anxious about anything. It's impossible. We're going to have anxiety. But here's the situation. Here's the solution that Paul says. It's almost like, hey, you want to learn how to not be anxious about anything? In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Oh, he's giving us a little formula here. The Bible's teaching us something here. Yes, yes. The Holy Spirit is empowering Paul 2,000 years ago before science knew how the brain operated. 
The Holy Spirit is telling Paul, hey, Paul, people are going to have anxiety. People are going to have fear. People are going to have worry. People are going to have anger. Here's what you need to tell them. Tell them to take it to me in prayer with thanksgiving. Okay. That doesn't make sense. I don't know about you because whenever I'm anxious, whenever I'm full of worry, whenever I'm full of despair, there's not a lot to be thankful for. Right? It's not those moments that I want to go to God. Oh, God, you're so good. Thank you so much for waking me up to this. I, I'm so glad you woke me up this morning. <laughs> Anybody been full of despair? And that's not the thought that you have, right? So why would Paul, why would the Bible tell us right here that when we're feeling anxious and when we're feeling all these things, that to take it to God in prayer with thanksgiving? Maybe it's because God knew there's some things in your brain that need to be rewired. Before the doctor could tell you, before science could tell you, God told you that when it doesn't make sense, force yourself to do this. Because when you come to me in prayer and when you force yourself, when it doesn't make sense, to give thanks, what you're doing is you're forcing your brain to do it differently. Doing it God's way. Y'all see... Y'all see how God is just, I mean, my goodness, even in the Old Testament, thousands of years ago, when God gave the law to Israel, there's commandments and scriptures about putting the law, like tying it around their turban so it's close to their mind, meditate on the law day and night. It's almost like God was saying, hey, you need to think about these things. You need to have your thinking aligned with what I've called you to do. You need to have your thinking in line with this life I've called you to live. Because if your thinking is in line with my calling. And if your thinking is in line with my ways, then you're going to overcome these mind monsters. Okay. So Philippians four, Paul says, don't be anxious. Every situation by prayer and petition with Thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. That doesn't mean God's going to give you understanding, by the way. A lot of times in different trans translations, it says the peace of God, God, which passes all understanding. That's not what the Bible says. It says you're going to have peace when it doesn't make sense to have peace. It transcends our understanding of, I don't know why I, right now I have peace in this situation because I just got a bad diagnosis from the doctor and my kid is out acting up, acting wild and my marriage is on the rocks and I've got all this stuff that, that I've, I've been hiding from people because I'm real insecure about it. It's like in those kinds of situations... When you force yourself to take it to God in prayer and give him thanks and you start changing your thinking and you really subdue your flesh. Hey, how about that for all you church people? You want to talk about subduing the flesh? How about controlling your brain? When you get in that habit, God changes everything for you. You're not even going to be able to understand how in a moment you can go from anxious to not anxious. And then it says that he will guard your hearts in verse 7. He will guard your hearts and, what does it say? Your minds. Hey, people, my people, God's saying, if you will come to me with your problems, if you will come to me with your burdens, if you will come to me with your insecurities and your shame, and you will talk to me about it, and you will ask me for what you need, and if you will also give thanks for who I am, if you will thank me for my mercy and grace and you will thank me for the things that I've already given you, what's going to happen is your thinking will be transformed, your life will be transformed, and I will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. How beautiful is that? Be thankful. You're going to have to work at it sometimes. Just like taking a thought captive is going to be work, sometimes finding things to be thankful for is going to be some work. All right, this is my last point. I'm sorry if I'm taking too long here. Number three. Number three, after we recognize the mind monsters, after we reject our lives, we have to replace them. Replace them. Dr. Erica said we have to fill in the narrative. That's what she said. That it's not enough just to recognize the lies and reject them. Well, now we got to figure out what's the truth. And whatever the truth is, we're going to think about those things. 
we have to ask ourselves this. This is, this is what we need to do in every situation. After we've recognized, after we've rejected, just ask, what does God say about it? And then figure it out. Through prayer. Through hearing from the Holy Spirit. And through diving into God's Word. Read God's Word. It has so many amazing things to say about you and your future and your life and your salvation and His mercy and His grace and His goodness and His love for you. Learn what the truth is so that you can fill in the narrative. Okay, Dr. Erica Green, she's amazing. She's a neurologist. She just gave you the scientific stuff. But she has a testimony as well about how God has helped her with mind monsters. So why don't you check out this video from Dr. Erica's testimony. So although I'm a doctor and I've been in the lab and I understand all the circuitry of behavior, um, I had to go through my own journey with the Lord. I had to live it. Um, and it wasn't based on my medical knowledge. It was based on my journey with God. Um, I've always been a person who needs to control everything. And I now know it's because of fear of someone else's chaos, fear of being hurt. But it hurt my relationships. And in my marriage, um, there was a breaking period in our, in our marriage six or seven years ago, and it totally disrupted all of my devices, all of my uh, security devices that I used to protect my heart. And um, it was the scariest time of my life because that was my worst fear, is to be hurt like that. And over six to seven years, God had to take me on a journey of no longer putting my trust in things that really weren't working in the first place and learning to trust Him. But one week I was battling in my mind with anger and I wanted to know the truth. I wanted to know the truth of the situation, the truth of the betrayal. I wanted details and honestly I wanted to do that so I could gain back control, so I could create my devices to protect myself. And during that journey I was angry with God and I didn't pray for a week. And when I went back to him and I said, I'm sorry, and I was still angry, and I went back to him and I said, I wanna know the truth. I wanna know what's good in, in this situation. I wanna know what's true in this situation. I wanna know where the honesty is, God. And just like that, I heard the voice of God saying, I'm good. I'm honest. I'm the good report. I'm lovely. Philippians 4 and 8. And then he said to me, you think on these things and you let me handle the rest. And in a second, the darkness lifted like a cloud. All of my anger, my angst lifted just like that and his peace came upon me. And I still stand on that whenever I battle my fear, which still comes up. God reminds me that he's the good report. He's everything that's honest. He's everything that's true. And as long as I have him, I'm going to be okay. What an amazing testimony. Let's read that scripture that she referenced there. Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. What do we replace it with? This is what Paul says. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You might have to dig. You might have to dig. You might have to really think about it. You might have to take some inventory. That might be a good practice to do. That might be a good homework assignment. Maybe we need to take some inventory. What are the things in my life that are true and right and pure and lovely and admirable? What are the things about God that are excellent and praiseworthy that when I need to fill in the narrative, when I need to replace the lies, that I can think about these things. Paul goes on. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, learned, received, or heard from me, or seen in me, put it into practice. Think about good things and also put good things into practice. Because when you are intentional about doing those things, what you're doing is you're forcing your mind to be transformed. And he finishes the scripture by saying, and the God of peace will be with you. Hey, if you can conquer 
physically and spiritually conquer your mind monsters, then the God of peace will reign in your life, in your mind, in your heart. That you'll have the formula for every situation you encounter. No matter how bleak or terrible the report is, you will know exactly what to do. And you will have trained your body. You will have subdued your flesh and aligned it with the will of God that you are going to respond in a way that honors God. What does God say about who you are? What does God say about your future? What does God say about your past? What does God say about your situation? And maybe you aren't sure about the answer to those questions. Maybe you're newer to church. Maybe you're new to faith and you've never heard about what God has to say about those things. Maybe you don't know what the Bible has to say about those things. Maybe you think God is angry with you. Maybe you see God as this figure that's ready to hurl a lightning bolt at you every time you mess up. Maybe you just see God as this distant, uninterested being. Can I tell you that is the opposite of who God is? That he loves you. That he wants to be in close relationship with you. That means he's not content for you just to know about him. He, he wants you to know him. He wants you to know him in a way that's going to change your life. He wants you to know him in a way where he can walk with you every day and he can say to you, hey, this is not good for you. Hey, these thoughts that you're thinking, that's not the truth. And he wants you to be able to hear his voice. That's what God wants for you. And so if you didn't know those things about God or you had the wrong idea about God, I invite you to go on this journey. The journey, like I talked about earlier, everybody's on a journey. Let's go on this journey of discovering what God says about you. Go on the journey of discovering what God says about who you are, about how much he loves you, about the plans that he has for your life, about the gifts that he has waiting for you about the best life that you could ever live. Would you stand with me this morning? If you walked in this place and you've been carrying those things, maybe you've been carrying something from that list of mind monsters. Maybe you've just been consumed with anxiety, fear, or insecurity and shame. The God of peace is here. And all you have to do is be willing. All you have to do is invite him. Invite him into the mess. Invite him into your life. The Bible talks about repentance. And maybe if you've gone to an Astros game, you've seen outside Minute Maid Park, guys standing on the corner with a big old sign that says, repent, turn or burn. You're going to hell if you don't say you're sorry. And it's kind of put the stigma on the word repent. But it's such a beautiful word when you think about what it really means. It's God saying, hey, you have the opportunity to turn away from those things that are destroying your life. You have the opportunity to turn away from the things that are going to leave you to an eternity full of despair and pain. You have the opportunity to repent and follow me. So maybe there are some things this morning that we need to repent of. Maybe there are some things that we've allowed ourselves to get caught up in, a lifestyle, habits, what the Bible would call sin. Can I tell you that all of the sin, all of those things are the result of you believing a lie at some point in your life. And there's no need to feel shame in this place. And there's no need to feel insecurity in this place. Because this is the place where you can take those things to God and say, I'm sorry, and I want to follow you. And in a moment, he forgives. It's erased forever. It's not something he holds over your head. It's something you can choose to leave behind and follow after him. Maybe we need to make that decision, some of us. Maybe some of us just need to make the decision, you know what? I've been living my own way long enough. I want to give Jesus a try. I want to follow after Jesus. I want to start figuring out who Jesus is and what what he's all about and what he says about me and what he wants for my life. 
So what I'd like for us to do is everywhere, everyone in this building, if you would please close your eyes, bow your heads. I'm going to ask some questions. The camera can't see you. Don't worry. Nobody's looking around, but I want to ask if, if you're in this place today and you have been struggling with mind monsters and it's caused you to get caught up in a lifestyle that's unhealthy, where you're full of fear, full of anger, full of bitterness, and you need freedom from that, would you raise your hand? Thank you for being bold enough and honest enough to, to raise your hands in that moment. Now I'm going to ask if there's anybody that you know you need to turn from certain things and repent and start following after Jesus. Anybody that just is making the decision today that you're going to follow after Christ, that you're going to truly dig in and find out who he is and what he's all about, and that you want to give your life to Jesus, would you raise your hand? Thank you so much. I'm going to pray for you. After I'm done praying for you, our prayer team, why don't the prayer team go ahead, take your places, please. We have our prayer team in the front of the building and in the back. As soon as I'm done praying for you, our team is going to start leading in worship. And you have the opportunity to find a prayer partner. Lord, we thank you so much. We thank you so much, Lord, that you are the same God that we can read about that 2,000 years ago and 4,000 years ago and 6,000 years ago, you were finding people at their worst and you were coming alongside them and loving them and showing them a better way to live. And we thank you that we serve the same God today who wants to come in and get involved in our mess and show us a better way to live. Lord, like David, we're asking right now in this moment that you would search our hearts, search our minds, find any way, find anything in our lives, in our hearts and minds that's not pleasing to you. Find those lies, Lord. Find the lies that we have held on to for so long that we have let them define who we are. Find those lies. Holy Spirit, right now I ask that you would search the hearts and minds of people and help identify the lies. Help identify those strongholds that the enemy has built up. Those strongholds that our sinful nature has built up around our minds. And in this moment, Holy Spirit, I pray your peace and love and joy would begin working so that those old ways of thinking would be weakened even right now in a physical display. I pray that you would weaken those neural pathways, those synapses in the brain that make it so easy for us to give into sinful nature thinking over and over. I pray they would be weakened, Lord, and that you would begin to strengthen new, strengthen new ways of thinking, that you would begin to strengthen new thoughts that align with your word and that align with the truth that we can walk out of this place free. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Together one more time. Let's give Jesus a hand clap of praise. You know this wouldn't be possible without Jesus, so he's worthy of our praise. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, I invite you in this moment as the team leads us. Don't, don't miss out on partnering with somebody on the prayer team. Maybe you need to talk through, uh, through some things. We have our prayer team partners at the front, also at the back. Let's worship one more time, but let's also take this opportunity to partner with each other in prayer. Amen.